here today? Looks like Hunter needs some friends over here, so uh, hopefully somebody said hello to you, Hunter. Anyway, let's continue worshiping the Lord today. You know the song, Our God is Greater, Our God is Stronger, says we lift our voices today, praising the Lord for all that He's done for us. Water you turned into wine, open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you. Like you into the darkness, you shine out of the ashes. We rise, there's no one like you, not like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are high.
God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, our God. That is an awesome song, isn't it? Just saying the name of God just lifts our hearts. There's no one higher than him. And as we praise his name this morning, we are worshiping to the one true creator of all the universe. Our Father, creator, you mold our hearts together. There's no one higher than you. Redeemer, defender, our great and mighty Savior, there's no one higher than you. And you are always with us, gracious to forgive us. By your power, we've been set free. And Lord, we stand amazed in your presence.
the friendship folder, that black folder that is in front of you. Would you sign that for us, please? And just let us know that you're here today. If you are a visitor for the first time, please stop at our Welcome Center because we have a gift for you of chocolate. If you love chocolate and uh, just some information about the church. A couple of things that's coming up. This Tuesday, September the 8th, our MOPS group is going to be kicking off. That is our Mothers of Preschoolers group. If you are a pregnant mom or you have children of preschoolers, it is an awesome time to get together with moms that are in the same phase of life with you, encouraging you, eating with you, laughing with you, having a great time. Just show up on Tuesday morning and Chrissy McNeese will help you find the way there. Next weekend is our men's retreat. September 11th through the 13th, there is still time to sign up, men. Um, we have a large group going this year, and it is really a great time. If you need information, again, look in the, uh, the uh, foyer. Okay, Children of the World is coming. This is a group from all around the world, Wednesday, September 30th at 7 p.m. They're going to come. They're going to sing for us. They're going to minister to us. And these are children from all around the world that are lifting their voices and praising God. Also, I know we don't want to think about this, but Christmas will be coming up eventually in December. And our Christmas musical this year is Humbug. We did it a few years ago, and it was a great time of outreach for our community. It's singing, it's dancing, it's acting, and it is sharing the gospel in a really awesome way. If you are interested in either possibly acting or singing, being a part of our choir for that, there is a place for you. We're going to be kicking that practice off in a couple weeks. But if you want more information, I'll be at the Welcome Center so that you can grab me out there. Okay, coming up in two weeks on Wednesday nights, our kids' ministry is going to be kicking off Clubhouse Kids. And we're excited about that, but we also, during that time, are going to have some small adult small groups that each one of you can be involved in. And so if you take a look at the screen, we're going to show you a couple uh, classes that we're going to be having here and offering on Wednesday nights. want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help, and I learned how to handle money His way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. Let's be honest. Conversations about faith are usually off limits. It's gotten to the point where the church can be the last place you would think to have a conversation about God. We want to change that. Starting Point is a place where no questions or discussions are off limits. It's not about a teacher giving you information. It's about a conversation. It's about being with other people, like you. And we really mean that. You're free to ask any question you want. This is your opportunity to explore faith freely. 
It's not another place where people will talk at you. We want to talk with you. So are you curious about God, Jesus, the Bible, or Christianity? Or did you recently begin a relationship with Jesus? Or have you returned to church after some time away? Starting Point is for you. Every Starting Point group is guided by qualified leaders, but your voice matters to the group. Your thoughts add value. You may even ask the question that someone else is afraid to ask. Starting Point, where your questions about God turn into a conversation about faith. excited about the thought of just some smaller groups where you can have conversations. That's what Starting Point is all about, a place where you can have a conversation about God and, and your questions can be answered. Uh, there will also be a class uh, on doctrines, uh, different, different doctrines of the faith. Pastor Al will be teaching that. Chuck Green will be teaching the men's. Kelly, uh, Kelly um, Coy will be teaching the women's uh, group. And then uh, we also are going to have the Financial Peace University. So there's a lot of things happening, a lot of options here starting September the 16th. Uh, please take advantage of those things there. Uh, be in prayer for Pastor John as he's away this week. Uh, this weekend, his, uh, his wife's brother took ill. And I know that uh, I, he's in a pretty serious condition down there in Texas. So pray for them as they're traveling. And I think he'll be back tomorrow evening. But uh, I just want to keep you keep you praying for him as he travels there, all right? Um, you are the people who didn't go away for Labor Day. Do you realize that? You know, Labor Day is that, that, that's when everybody goes away. Three days, it's our last chance to get away for summer, right? So congratulate yourself that you're not camping. You get to sleep in a real bed tonight. Give yourself a hand, folks, all right? You're the smart people. We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, let's uh, stand as we receive our morning offering. We're we're honored and privileged to give unto the Lord this morning. <clears throat> as, uh, as we give to the Lord this morning, if you're our guest, please feel free to let the plate pass your way, pass, pass by you this morning. This is for our church family. We'd like to give the, an opportunity for our church family to give unto the Lord. Um, he's given us 100% of what we have, and now we have this great privilege to give back to Him. So let's bow in prayer, shall we, as we prepare to give to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for this great opportunity that we have to open up our heart, to open up our, our life to you today, Lord. Thank you that you have provided everything that we have. You've given us all of our food, all of our clothing, all of our shelter. You've given us our jobs. You've provided. You're a great God. And Lord, as we stop now to realize that you are our provider, it is with joy that we give unto you, with a cheerful heart that we gladly give back to you because you're the one who gives us everything. So, God, we ask now that this will be a, a time of worship in our church where we're responding to the greatness of our God as we give unto your name. Lord, will you be blessed? Will you, will you just use this to, to uh, challenge lives for Christ here at home and around the world? God, we thank you for the great and mighty way that you're blessing our church, for the blessings we've seen this summer, for the blessings that we're, we're just seeing, uh, the, our, the growth even in the summer, Lord. You're doing mighty, mighty things. And we honor you. We bless your name. Thank you for allowing us to come to be with you today, to be with the other members of your, of your body. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. Skill with flawless 
such infinity Though we cannot comprehend Such a mystery Just a glimpse of you revealed Is compelling us to sing Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty Worthy, worthy is your name All of heaven joins the universe Ever crying Worthy, worthy is Would you stand with us as we continue worshiping?
you are worthy of all of our praise. Your name is worthy. You're holy. All the universe will one day bow down and worship your name. God, we thank you so much for being the great I am, the creator of the universe, the one who died on the cross now is alive and well, preparing a place in heaven for us, one that we can call Savior and friend. You are worthy. have your Bibles, let's head on over to Acts chapter 19. We've been talking about Unfinished. That's our, uh, our series, Unfinished. The book of Acts started out way back in, uh, it's hard to believe it, Easter, starting uh, with the AD series, the week after Easter. Thank you, Dan. Starting uh, with chapter 1, and we've been having a fun time learning lessons from the book of Acts all along the way. So Acts chapter 19 and here we are, it's Labor Day. Can you believe it's Labor Day weekend already? You, you know, you're, you're just thinking about this is it. This is the last of summer. We're sealing the deal because uh, we know what's coming. October, November, and December, right? We're prepared for those unpleasant thoughts of, of things to come. But, um, you know, as, as I was thinking about the end of summer, I just reminded the, of all the fun things. We've had a lot of fun here at the church. We've had a lot of victories. Uh, many great things have happened here. But... You know, I'm also thinking about uh, some of the things in, in my own life, you know, like going on vacation. You know, you just look back to that and you remember how, what a good time that was. Um, I have a sister-in-law, uh, sister and brother-in-law, a sister-in-law and brother-in-law that live down in Hilton Head. And they have the great privilege to see me and my wife and my daughters every year in the summer. It, it's amazing. You know, I have other family members that don't ever get to see me, but they get to see me every year. They live right next to the beach and. I'm just so glad that I could go and minister to them, and it's a real joy, you know? And uh, so we go down there, and, you know, I, I'm the guy who goes out on the beach, and, you know, I, we, I sit under the umbrella till about 2 o'clock because I want to keep my beautiful tan. I don't want to get burnt, and so I just like to stay this nice shade of pale. And, uh, you know, I, and then I go out about 2, and I put on all this, you know, sunblock. I have sunblock 50 and, all, and higher. I mean, it's just like, just keep putting it on. My wife tells me you're supposed to rub that till it disappears and I didn't know that you know I come out looking like a leper you know it's like white everywhere and then I go out in there I have all that fun and then I come back out of there and 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 then the next thing we do is we go fishing I love the fish when I'm on vacation I love the fish anytime but uh, they have these lagoons right outside of their house and you, you go and you fish these lagoons so I take these camping chairs and and every year whenever I go uh, this is like the annual time that my brother-in-law Ed gets the fish because I take them fishing, you know, with our little pole and, and $3 worth of worms. We go fishing. So I, I go out there, and, and we sit along the edge, and we fish. And so this time we're sitting along the edge in our camping chair, and I, I, throw, the, I throw the worm out there with the bobber and all that. And, and all of a sudden, you know, in those lagoons, they have those alligators. And up comes an alligator. And you just see his eyes. I'm like, no, nah, this isn't happening. I'm not going to be a vacation casualty. You know, you read about people like that. And that thing come after my bobber. If you can believe that, this alligator comes after my bobber. And I'll let you know that I was, I was a total man. I ran. I dropped, the, I dropped the rod and I took off and my brother-in-law was right behind me. We're, you know, we're like two little girls hiding in the bushes over there. We were scared to death. And, uh, you know, and we, we, so he ended up not eating my bobber, but he, he sure scared the living daylights out of me, all right? And, and so we, we pulled, pulled the bobber back in. We go to another place. I'm like, we're getting away from the alligators. And we're sitting there. We have those camping chairs. 
you know, I've got my sandals, which that's a rare event. I'm sitting in sandals, and I've got my, got my shorts on, and then all of a sudden, we feel those little fire ants. You ever heard of those little fire ants? And they start coming up, and my brother-in-law's going, you know, he's, he's smacking and, and going like that, and these fire ants are coming up all over the place, and then we looked down, we were in a mound of the fire ants, and, and not just one mound, but like 50 mounds. They're like everywhere, and so everywhere we moved our chair, you'd just knock over a mound. And when you knock over a mound of fire ants, they just keep going. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. If you look at a, a mound of ants, uh, it's pretty, pretty simple. They just keep working. Uh, rain, shine, they just keep going. And so we'd come along, we'd kick them. I'd move to another spot. This whole, this whole coastline that we were at, of the lagoon, had all these, all these fire ants everywhere. And just, just mounds were taken over everywhere. And so, at, but one thing I noticed, that whenever you kick over the ant mound, all of a sudden the ants just keep going. I mean, you, could, you can go over to an ant mound, you just take your foot and you kick it, and the ants just keep going. It's like, it's like they didn't miss a beat. They just keep scrambling. They look like they're scrambling before you get there, and then when you kick it, they just keep scrambling. And they just keep doing their job, and they keep putting the thing back together. And I just couldn't help but think about our life. Our life is like that mound. And sometimes when our mound gets knocked over, we don't always put the pieces back together. We sometimes miss a beat because it's hard, it's painful to put life back together. And sometimes when we're going down that journey, there's so many things that that happen in our life that we just kind of stop. And there's a lot of lessons we can learn from those little ants because they just keep going and going and going and going. And and man, there's a lot of things happen in our life. We have to keep going. And so today we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul kept going. And, And that's why I titled this Peace in a Riot. There's a riot that we're going to look at, but Paul has peace. Uh, he's able to continue on. He's able to continue on doing what, he, what God had called him to. And here's why. Uh, Isaiah 26 is our, our prescription for peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. If you want to have peace in your life, here's how you have it. You fix your eyes, you fix your thoughts. Look at that. For those who fix, whose thoughts are fixed on you. You come and you fix your thoughts onto God. Not onto the circumstances, not onto all the things that are happening around you, not on the calamities and the disasters because they're there and there's more coming, but onto God. Because He is, as verse 4 says there, it, it says, trust in Him. In other words, that idea is like leaning. Lean on Him. Go ahead, put your weight on him because he is the eternal rock. He is the eternal rock. So when life is going all crazy up and down every which way you go, you get to come and you get to lean on the eternal rock. And if you want to have peace, you fix your eyes on him. Not on what happened, not what might happen or what is happening, but on the eternal rock. My mind, my thoughts are fixed on him. This is part of training our mind to understand who God is. See, God is the eternal rock, not me. And as we look through the passage here this morning, we're going to find that the Apostle Paul was not the eternal rock. God is the eternal rock. And, uh, and, and so we're, we're going to pick up. Last, last week we ended in uh, chapter 18 where he, was, uh, he was, had a great ministry in Corinth, in the town, the city of Corinth. God did many great things, and he heads back. He stops at, this, at the city of Ephesus on the way, drops off his good friends Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla are there to start the ministry and kind of get things going out, out in that part uh, in this new town, Ephesus. And God begins a new work. In the meantime, Paul has cut his hair. 
He's taken, totally shaved his hair. He's bald, the scripture tells us, because he took a Nazarite vow at that point. And then what it was, was it was a vow of consecration. He says, I'm, I'm setting this aside as a time of special between me and God. And uh, part of the Nazarite vow was that they would not cut their hair. So during this time, his hair was shaved, and, uh, and he was moving on with the vow. And I, I told my wife, I said, maybe that's my problem. I just took a vow, you know. And, uh, and, but, but here he was. He took the vow, and he's moving on. He's moving forward. And, uh, and he's heading back. He stops in Ephesus. They ask him to stay. But he says, no, I've got to go on to Jerusalem. There's a festival. It was likely the Passover that he was heading back. He wanted to take the offering of his Nazarite vow back for the festival. So he goes on back to, to the festival. And uh, the work starts out in Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla. You see mention of another guy, Apollos. He gets a grounding from Aquila and Priscilla. And, uh, and he moves on to another place. And now we're going to pick up in chapter 19. It's now roughly nine months later. So Paul has been, he, he went to the festival in Jerusalem. He goes up, uh, over to Antioch. He's in Antioch of Syria. He's no doubt shared all the good, the exciting things about his missionary journey. A report back like, like, uh, like our missionaries do today. Thanking them for their support. And then he heads out and now he makes his round back. He goes into Ephesus. And God starts to do great and mighty things. And his modus operandi was that he would go into the, into the synagogue where the people were God-fearers and they at least had an understanding of some of the prophecies of God, of, of Jesus. And, uh, and he would show them how that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. So he does it for about three months. And look at verse 9 in chapter 19. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. Those were the followers of Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So one of the terms, we see the term Christian used, now we see the term the way. This was followers of the way. So he says that the, his message uh, was, uh, was uh, they were rejecting his message and they were speaking against the way. So Paul left the, the synagogue and took believers with him. Uh, then, he had, then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now Tyrannus, was, uh, he had a school and he would come in, and he was reasoned daily in this, in this school, in this lecture hall. Uh, and it was a rather large lecture hall. And uh, Paul, what he did was when Tyrannus wasn't in there, Paul came in and used it as his lecture hall. So what happened in the town of Ephesus was that from uh, early morning till about 11 o'clock, people would go to work. And then at 11 o'clock, people would go take a rest. It was the rest time. And they would rest from about 11 to 4. Kind of like when we go to Ecuador. You know, we're working hard, and then all of a sudden, it's just like everything calms down. It's like, what, what's wrong? Every, well, it's siesta time, you know? And everybody likes to relax. The South American culture, they understand that. And all the Americans are like, well, we've got to get going. We've got, we got to go, go, go. And, uh, and that's kind of what was happening here. But Paul took use of the open facility, and people who, instead of resting, would come and reason with him. So Paul begins to reason, and he has great joy as he's reasoning, as he's sharing, he's speaking boldly the name of Christ. He's speaking boldly that Jesus died on the cross, that this is the long-awaited Messiah. He came, he rose again, and this is how to have eternal life is through Christ alone. Uh, and then verse 19, it says, And also many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. 
uh, in, in the early part of chapter 19, you'll see that there were great miracles that were happening. People were going and, and coming to Christ. Demons were being cast out. Just all kind of exciting things were happening. And so literally thousands of people come to Christ during Paul's stay there. He's there about another two years at that point and uh, reasoning in the hall of Tyrannus. And so he, he, has, he has a great, great ministry. Thousands of people come. And when, when those people started to come, their life began to change. And the people said, well, this magic that we once followed isn't any good. We found, we found the real power, and that power was in Christ. So they would come, and, they, and the Scripture tells us here that they burned their books. They took all the magic books, all their trinkets. They bring all this stuff together, and they have a big old bonfire. And the value of that bonfire, the value of everything that was burned is 50,000 pieces of silver. In modern-day equivalency, we're talking about a million to $5 million. So this was talking about a major, major uproar in the economy. People were taking things that were once of value to them, and they said, this is of no value to me anymore. I am now a follower of Christ, and they burned it. And so they moved forward. They were moving on. But what happened was that created a stir um, amongst the town people. Uh, verse 20 says that, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So God's word is growing People are, people are coming to Christ, and it is a major, major movement of God. And now we're going to see where the roller coaster begins for Paul. And the first thought I put in your notes is, uh, is to remain faithful when your dreams are unfulfilled. Remain faithful when your dreams are unfulfilled. There are times in our life when you're, 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 you have a dream. There's something that you think you want to do, or you may even think that God wants you to do, and yet there is a time that that dream is unfulfilled. Let's look what happened to Paul here. Acts 19, verse 21. Uh, then, uh, w w when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. He says, I want to see Rome. That's the next thing. That is, that's his dream. That's what, where he wants to go. Verse 22. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. He stays in Asia for a while longer. And if you go through and you look there, number one, in verse 21, it says when these things were accomplished, he had this great ministry. And when all this great ministry things happened, then this next thing happened. Paul's saying, look, I want to go to Rome. Why does he want to go to Rome? Well, it's kind of the oval office of the world, if you will. It was kind of the, the biggest spot, the biggest place to be. Uh, greatest influence. And, um, and just imagine if he could have gotten there, maybe he could have spoken to, to Caesar and shared Caesar, uh, shared Jesus with Caesar and, and had an even bigger impact. And the world could know more about the gospel. But God had him wait here. There was a, this was a period of waiting. Um, if, you, if, you were go, if you go to chapter 20, you'll see it says that he was there for about um, three months. I'm sorry, for three years. It says he was there for three years. Uh, the, the beginning part says that three months he started teaching in the synagogue and then for two years he's teaching right here in the school of Tyrannus and so reasoning and, and this thing's happening every day and now there's a, at least a nine month gap so there's a nine month period of time that he's, he, is, he is wanting to go the next thing but God has him in the holding tank God has him in the waiting zone and I found this out that we don't like to wait very much do we? Waiting is not an American thing. We don't, it's not like, man, I just can't wait to go to Walmart and wait in line today, you know? 
Do you ever think of that, you know? As a matter of fact, when you're waiting in line at Walmart, there's not too many spiritual things that are going on in your mind, are there, you know? You're thinking, okay, okay, why don't they hire more people? Oh, okay, the, the, the self-checkout line is full. I mean, and you have all these reasons like you'd, why you'd like to talk to the manager, why you can't get out of there with this $3 worth of stuff, okay? And it's just like, I can't get in and out of this place. And the same happens in our life. Listen, there's much bigger things. You're thinking, man, God has this. I know that God has a plan for my life. I, I want to do this. I have desires for this. And in the meantime, God tells you, wait. And he doesn't, you don't hear this magic voice, wait. You're waiting and it's not too fun. And it's never, it's never fun to wait. And it's typically painful in those areas. And it's during those times that God is shaping you. He's molding you. He's doing his plan. But it's at those moments that we need to have peace. And it's at those moments that we need to fix our thoughts on Jesus Christ. Um, see, this is, peace is the ability to remain faithful even when those dreams are not fulfilled. I remain faithful. I, mean, I remain my heart attitude. I have the heart of David responding to God. Even I'm faithful in these moments. And if we forget that, if I don't remain faithful... If I take my eyes off of Christ, so what happens is I, I have my eyes fixed on Christ. When I take my mind off of Him and I go over here to what, I'm, why, what God ought to be doing in my life, in my career, in my job, in my family, and all these things, you know what happens? I get in turmoil. And my life is shred apart. And it's like, man, and then I, I've totally missed the whole, point of, uh, the whole point of what God's trying to do. Because my mind is not stayed on him. It's not fixed on him. I'm no longer leaning on the eternal rock. I'm leaning on me. And that's not too good. Because I'm, I, I don't have the resources that God has. I don't have the power that God has. I don't have the strength, the might. I don't have the wisdom. So God says to come and we put our mind on him. And we, we keep our mind fixed on him. And that doesn't mean that you don't see the dark clouds. It means that we look through those clouds to Jesus. It means that whenever the pain, that you will feel pain while you're waiting. You will feel pain when those dreams are not fulfilled. But God says to keep our mind fixed on him. That's what the apostle Paul did. He leaned on the Lord as an everlasting rock. And that brings us to point number two this morning. Stay calm when the circumstances are unpleasant. Stay calm when, when things get unpleasant. Uh, uh, verse 23. And about that time... There arose a great commotion about the way. So this commotion starts, and you know, it's, it, we see this over and over again in Acts. Every time the gospel starts to spread, there was a problem. Uh, the community got in an uproar. And we see it again here, verse 24. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. And he, he said, basically, this guy was making a lot of money by making idols. They had the false gods. We've talked about this a number of times, the false gods, the, the false um, uh, idols that were made by human hands. And Paul said, that, look, that's not God. It's not going to help you. Verse 25, he called them together with the workers of a similar occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. You know that we're making money. You know this is how we live, guys. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are not gods which are made with human hands. He comes here and now the trouble begins. 
The ministry's been going good. Thousands of people have come to Christ. They're making a major change. They're, they're no longer buying the idols. And the silversmith, Demetrius, the CEO of the Silversmith Guild, he stands up and he says, uh, hey, we've got to do something here. Your income's being affected. Our income, the money that we once made. Do you remember the good old days? Well, the good old days are about to be gone. And, and furthermore, the whole, he's discrediting Diana. Diana was known in, in Ephesus. Ephesus was like a, a, a city centered around Diana. They had a, a giant temple, if you will, to Diana. There were 120 pillars, 60 feet high in the air. Each pillar was given by another king. It was, a, it was major prestige of this, this temple that was built. But the whole thing about Diana was she was the moon god. And this moon god would give you uh, nourishment, would give you energy, would give you the things that you need. And every time that we saw, Paul would draw out that basically that those idols could not fulfill their promise. And as people came to Christ, they stopped buying, and the whole thing was changing. And so he made a major push. He said, the silversmith stands up and says, we've got to do something about this, for we're going to lose our money. And so it's all about money at that point. Verse 27, so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana. She may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all of Asia and the world worship. So she was worshipped all over the place. Now, now remember, they had multiple gods. That's what the the Greek mythological gods as we know them today, there was just, they had 30,000 gods. So Diana was big in this city. Verse 28, when they heard this, they were full of wrath, the anger, and they cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So, so the, verse 29, so the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, uh, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. So, so they take Paul's travel companions, they go in, there's 25,000 people. This place is massive. There's 25,000 people in there. Um, it, it's about 495 feet in diameter. This major place, and now they're coming, and they are going on and on and on. This is one of the... Diana, her temple was known as one of the seven wonders of the world. And, of course, Paul wants to rush in. Look, look what happens in verse 30. Paul wants to rush in. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. The other followers of Christ said, no, this is not the time, Paul. Uh, then some of the officials of Asia said, uh, who, who, were, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. And so they were saying, look, please don't go in. Please, this, this is bad enough. We don't, we don't want this to escalate any further. Paul, stay out of there. And let me say this this morning, that it's easy to be at peace when everything is going good, isn't it? It's easy to be peaceful when you have no troubles. It's easy to be at peace when there's no conflict. But when there's conflict, that's when we need peace the most. And peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. The peace is the presence of Christ. And so this is what happened. Paul had peace in the presence of Christ. The riot was raging, and Paul's not even allowed to go in, and he is able to faithfully continue. He's faithfully waiting on God. Um, let me just encourage you with this thought, that circumstances that look like obstacles are really opportunities when you let God work. Circumstances in your life that look like obstacles are really opportunities when you let God work in your life. Um, you know, Paul's message was all about idols. And as he came there, he, and he, his message was, was basically that idols that are made 
with human hands are not God's. If it was made with a human hand, it's not God. It can't help you. It, it, it's unfulfilling. And so this morning, as we think about life, we think about our world. Is it any different today? You know, Paul preached, and you see a lot of times Paul's preaching. This, the silversmith said that it was known all over the world, Paul's preaching here, about the idols and about the contrast. Paul often would contrast and show them the difference between the idols and God. This is what your idols your idols think. You think these idols can save you? They can't. Here's what can save you. And this is what will meet those needs. And you're going to Diana for nourishment. You're going to this God for that. You're going to this God for that. There's only one God. And worship him. Come to the true God. Jesus came to the earth. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again. And, and invest in him, not into these false gods. So is it any different today? You know, you look around, there's not a whole lot of idols. You don't see a whole lot of idols. But this morning, I want you to think with me about what idols that we may have. And uh, as, as, you know, we look at things, and there's things that we don't, we don't put up an idol in our home and worship. And most of you here this morning say, well, I believe in God, and, and I even follow God. But you know what? An idol is this. An idol is anything that is functionally more important to your happiness, to your identity, to your hope. Anything that's more important to God, that is your idol. And let me share with you a few things that I think that people worship today. Of course, you're not going to worship this hammer, right? But you will worship work by drawing your strength from it, your energy from it. And, and we can go out and, and listen, this, some, things, some things are really good, but when, it becomes an idol when we take the good and make it the ultimate thing. And so our job, I mean, we are supposed to go out and work. Work is really a gift from God. But when we take that work and we take it out of its place, we become worshiping that. And then if you work hard enough, right, you get the desk clock, right? You get to set it, sit at your desk and get that promotion, and wow, that'll be really exciting one day. And, and as we, we keep looking, and these, these are our dreams. If you, know, you ever hear somebody say, if I could just get that promotion. If I could just get that job, then my life would be. We've got to stay fixed on Jesus. These things are very temporary. These things will come and go, and, and these things don't even have the ability. Once you get there, once you get to this place, that's when you find out that it really doesn't promise. You, you want your whole life searching for this, and it didn't fulfill. You heard a promise, and it was false. You thought this would make you happy. You thought this would meet your innermost needs. They can't do that. Um, here's another one. This is one of my favorites. That's Andrew McCutcheon bobblehead, all right? I got that in 2012 when they used to have to bribe you to come to a game, right? And uh, so, so there's Andrew McCutcheon. You know, the Pirates have been having a lot of fun. We love watching the Pirates. 162 games, I think I've watched about half of them. It's been so much fun. Um, and, you know, for those of you that don't believe it, we're going to the World Series, right? We're, we're ready. We are ready. We're at least going to be in the playoffs. And, uh, and I'm already trying to figure out how to find a ticket. So anybody wants to help, see me afterwards. But it's, listen, if you get it, if you get this out of order, you're empty. You know, what if we do win the World Series? We have Bucktober. And we make it all the way there. And, and we go all the way. And we win the World Series. January's coming. We've got to do it all again next year. It's pretty empty, isn't it? It really is. I mean, Steelers have started playing. 
I mean, this is all exciting. And, you know, we know all that problem we got going on with that, right? And where do you stand on the new quarterbacks? And, oh, man, there's all kinds of issues. But guess what? It doesn't fulfill. It's fun. There's nothing wrong with going out and having some fun. But if it takes the place, if you take something that's good and make it the ultimate, that's where the problem comes from. Um, let's see here. I've, I've got this wallet. Money, you know. Who doesn't love money? It's nice to have money, right? I mean, money certainly makes life a little bit easier. It's kind of nice to pay your bills, but that won't make you happy. It just, it can't. It's not lasting. It's, it's very temporary. It doesn't, it doesn't satisfy. Um, there's cars, you know. Some of us get really excited about that stuff. We have all these good things, and then this is, this is one thing that can be a real idol. This is me and my wife in our wedding picture. 22 years ago. I don't even recognize those people in there, you know? Uh, except my wife. She's still pretty good looking. I, I, something happened to me. I don't know what happened. It's called 22 years. But you know what? She is my number one human relationship. My wife. She is the number one in a human relationship. But she can't be the ultimate. Because she can't, she can't meet the need that God can meet in my life. You see, uh, uh, the, the family, we love our families. We build our families. We've put so much time into them, and it's so important. And we have to do that because God told us to do that. But it's so easy to worship this stuff. And we get our life filled with worshiping idols. We put things out of the order, and we say, wow, those things are good. And we make them ultimate. In the meantime... The ultimate was God. The ultimate was God. And you know what? The, the reason that he had peace, the reason that Paul had peace is because he wasn't getting his peace from these things. Um, his entertainment, you know, you can take that, you can leave that, and you're going to be all right. Um, you, you know, cars and money and all that fun stuff, homes, they're fun, it's, they're nice, we love them, but guess what? You take them away, only God can replace them. Only God can take, only God can take and meet the need that those things can't even come close to. Um, your job, you know, you can take all that. Take that promotion. This is the one thing I'd like to hang on to. But even, I know that one day we will all face death. He's the one. He's the one that will fix us. We keep our mind fixed on Jesus. And see, if my, if my life is dependent on these things, I've got it out of order. This is the only thing, he says, to stay fixed on Jesus Christ. If you want peace, stay fixed on him. And I want to encourage you, what idols are in your life? What idols are, what are some of the things that you've struggled with? Maybe you're dealing this morning with shattered dreams, the dreams of yesterday. Life didn't work out the way you wanted it to, and you've been dealing with a broken heart. Jesus said, I am the healer of the broken heart. That's what God does. He heals the broken heart. Today, come to Christ. That's it. Just come to Christ and let him heal that broken heart. He, you know what? Yesterday's gone. And he, God still loves you. God's still here. And you may have made some mistakes. You may have things from yesterday. But God says, listen, I have a bright hope. I have a future for you. I care about you. I love you. Our mind fixed on him, stayed on him. If you look in the rest of the chapter, the, th the third thing here this morning, it says to wait. The third thing in your note I put, to wait patiently in the face of uncertainty. Wait patiently in the face of uncertainty. 
Um, if, you, if you read through down there, basically what happens is a, a town clerksman comes in and he stands up before the whole crowd and he diffuses the whole crowd. He says, listen, I know that your money's been affected. I know that things are changing. But listen, if we don't act wisely, they won't even follow Diana at all. And then we'll never make any more money. And he basically diffuses the crowd and the crowd moves on. And God kept Paul, kept the disciples, and he kept working with them through the riot. And I want to encourage you this morning that though the storms of life come, though the clouds are dark, though there, is, though there is all these things, and listen, these things may have been in the wrong place in your life. Today, I want to ask you to come to the real thing. Not to something that is made by hands, but come to the real thing, to Jesus. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again for you. And there's, there's only one that can meet those deepest needs in your life. And it isn't found in any of these things. You will search your whole life. But if you'll come to Christ, he starts a relationship. You start a relationship with him. And he, give him that opportunity to begin to meet those needs. Give him that opportunity. Come to him. Realize that you're a sinner, that, you've, that, that you deserve to be separated from him. But yet God loves you with an everlasting love. And he died on the cross to pay for your sin. And he came back to life again. So therefore, you must be somebody special for God to do that. He loves you. He cares about you. And make that personal this morning. And maybe you've been a believer. You've been walking with God. But yet, some of these things have been competing. It might be your job's competing. It may be your family's competing. It may be just, you know, anything that you have is getting in the way. And today, it's time just to reset the priorities because we want to have peace and move forward. His mind is stayed on him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, as we close today, says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Lean on him, the everlasting rock. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to ask you to just take a moment of reflection. Maybe you need to begin a relationship with God. I'd like to ask you just to respond to him. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He can take your broken heart. He can take your angry heart. He can take wherever you're at, and he can deal with it because he's God. He's bigger than everything in your life. He's bigger than anything you can accomplish, any career, any family, anything. He's bigger than all that. And he's offering you the gift of eternal life through what he did on the cross. So if that's you this morning, you want to receive him. You want to start that relationship that I've been talking about. Would you just respond to the Savior this morning? Just call on him and just pray this prayer, something quiet like this in your heart to the Lord. Just say something like this to the Lord. Dear God, I come before you. I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I've offended your holiness, God. I need a Savior. You died, Jesus. You died on the cross to pay for my sin. You came back to life for me again. And I invite you into my life. God, thank you for loving me. 
And for others in this place this morning, maybe you need to just reset your priorities. Reset, go home and clear out some idols. Go home and take the good things and that you move to ultimate things and put them back to just being good things and put Jesus Christ in that ultimate seat. Put him in the driver's seat of your life. Put him on the throne. Father God, I come before you and I ask that you'll be with your people this morning. Help them, Lord. Help them to respond to the Almighty God. God, our, our affections are, are competed for constantly. But you, you have taken care of that on the cross. If we would just keep our eyes, our thoughts fixed on you, you'll give us that perfect peace. Lord, be honored in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. As we let's stand together and as we close our service, if you'd like to come and kneel and pray, I encourage you to do so. Come and kneel and pray at the altar. We're going to prepare for a baptism. We have several baptisms today. We've talked a lot in the book of Acts about people getting baptized, and several people are making that response in faith today. So as we sing, uh, let's respond to him, and then we'll have a baptism.
You may be seated. We're, uh, we're thankful today for these that have come to, to get baptized and uh, follow in, the Lord's, in obedience to the Lord's command. And so we're, we're going to start with Alexa Hodson, so we can roll her video there. 15 years old. Well, let's go ahead and restart that. We, we missed the first there, right? There I'm Alexa Hodson. I'm 15 years old and a sophomore at Ringgold High School. I have attended Crossroads Ministries since I was five years old. I have had many caring leaders and teachers that have influenced my faith growing up in the church. One day at youth group, I prayed with my youth group leader, Denise, and accepted Christ as my Savior. Growing up as a Christian, I always went through the motions, just going to church, going to youth group, and I never really understood what God did for me. But this summer, I had an opportunity to go to Word of Life Island with my close friends and youth group, and at Word of Life, I rededicated my life to Christ. I'm so thankful for the church, my family, and my leaders, and most importantly, God's free gift of salvation. Alexa, based upon your profession of faith and obedience to the Lord's command, it is my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. All right, this is Avery Hodson. Hi, I'm Avery Hodson and I'm 12 years old. I remember learning about Jesus when I was in preschool and asking him into my life when I was little. In March 2014, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. These struggles brought me closer to God. I have a verse that I refer to, which is 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. In fifth grade, I was homesick because I had a seizure. And that day I decided to rededicate my life to Jesus. I wanna get baptized because I wanna show my family and friends that I have been saved and I rededicated my life to God. exciting we thank god avery we thank god for your faith in christ and uh today it is my pleasure to baptize you my sister in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit buried in the likeness of christ's death raised in the likeness of his resurrection and we have jonas hodson my name is Jonas Hodson. I'm in the fourth grade and I'm almost 10 years old. When I was in preschool, I asked Jesus into my heart. I didn't really understand what Jesus did for me until this past year. I really enjoyed watching the AD series on TV. We watched every week with our, with our family and we followed along with our Bibles. This is when I began asking questions about what Jesus did for me. My mom and dad talked to me and answered my questions. On May 17, 2015, I prayed with my parents to confirm my salvation. I want to get baptized because I want to show my friends and family that Jesus is my Savior. Man, isn't that exciting? AD series. 
watching it and got his questions going to God and his parents were able to help him and show him who Jesus is. Jonas, based upon your profession of faith and obedience to the Lord's command, it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of the resurrection. Raise it! Come on, I'll leave this up. Let's give them a hand. Isn't that exciting? We are so thankful for what God is doing in this family and these kids' lives. God bless you guys. And uh, we're, we're thankful for what God's doing in our church. People are coming to Christ. We had a baptism a few weeks ago. We have another one coming up in the next few weeks. If you're ready to be baptized, just call the church. We'll put it on the schedule, and we will get this going. God bless you. You are dismissed. Greet the Hudson family and, and uh, share the joy with them, all right? Let's give God a hand. Amen?